Welcome to First Draft Presents The Podcast! This is a live recording of our monthly storytelling event. First Draft shows are every second Sunday with a new theme each month. I'm Jordy. I'm Demery. I'm Heather. We produce the show. We feature a rotating group of storytellers all sharing their first drafts. For this event, their prompt was Stories of Summer. We, we hope, hope you enjoy! Started and uh, my name is Jordy. I produce this show with uh, Wave, Demery, and Heather. Hello. Hello. And I will be your first storyteller. Woo! <laughs> the summer of 2010 was an exciting one for me. I was 16, had just gotten my license, and my sister had gone off to college and left behind her 1991 white Honda Civic for me. I finally felt the freedom of having my own way to get around Winter Springs, Florida, and looked forward to taking full advantage of it. I spent a lot of time with my friend Caitlin that summer, and she had recently accomplished something I had been dreaming about my whole life, getting a boyfriend. <laughs> Her boyfriend was named Ben, and he had recently moved to Florida from North Carolina. Ben was a fellow redhead and a sweet kid full of Southern charm. Caitlin and him were both tall and thin, and they made a very cute couple. And one day, Ben delivered some amazing news to us. Two of his friends from his hometown were visiting for two whole weeks, and they were single, and they were my age, Whoa. and Ben had shown them my Facebook, and they thought I was cute. and this was the perfect chance to have a Disney Channel original movie level romance. <laughs> I had the license, I had the car, but there was one thing that I was missing from keeping me from being a full-fledged young woman, and that was my first kiss. That's okay. <laughs> Though Caitlin and Ben had been official for a few weeks, they too hadn't kissed, so this became Caitlin and I's summer mission. <laughs> One of Ben's friends was actually also a redhead, but he was double the size of Ben, so we called him Big Ben. And there was the other guy, who was, who was brunette and named Luke. Luke became my target. <laughs> the day of their arrival finally came, and Caitlin and I peeked out and saw regular-sized Ben's red pickup truck pull into the driveway. I saw two redheaded guys walk up, then finally a third boy in a backwards hat followed. <laughs> I stood there tugging at my new clearance rack Air Apostle jean shorts and was hopeful that I looked as cute and effortless as the 24-year-old model in the ad. <laughs> Luke turned to me, he shook my hand. <laughs> what a southern gentleman. <laughs> and it was great, the, the, the hang you know, was casual, it was quick, and we all decided in the next few weeks, we, ne excuse me, next few days, we all should go see a movie. So we landed on the hit blockbuster, Despicable Me. Which actually, fun fact, came out 13 years ago from today exactly. July 9th. Flash forward to that day at Regal Cinemas. And uh, Caitlin and I had devised this plan so that we could casually walk in in lines that Luke and I would happen to sit next to each other during the movie and hold hands. And the plan was a success, and I managed to have Caitlin on one side and Luke on the other. Everything was perfect. Mid-despicable me, I noticed that Luke had put his arm on the armrest, hand up. So I put my arm on mine, so casually, and then he lightly nudged my hand. So I nudged back, and we did this little nudge back and forth until a second, and then we were intertwining hands. Oh. I 
was on cloud nine, everything was great, it was going perfect, and then Luke leaned over to me, and I thought, oh my God, is he already going to kiss me? <laughs> but no, he whispered, he turns to me and whispers, would you like some Skittles? <laughs> and I responded like how I thought, you know, a cool, casual, air possible model would, and I said, sure. <laughs> Luke reached into the bag, he put a couple Skittles in his hand, and before I could dislodge my sweaty palm from his, he reached up to my mouth <gasps> to feed me the Skittles. Oh. <laughs> so I was pretending to be cool and experienced, and like I held hands with guys during animated films all the time. So I was like, and I just accepted them, and he started feeding me like a horse eating sugar cubes. <laughs> and Luke, he was not laughing. He was actually making eye contact with me during it. Just. And I just, you know, I just let it happen. And then a couple feedings later, I said, thank you. And he stopped. He returned his attention back to despicable me. And I just sat there trying not to laugh. Later that night, we all decided to walk in this wooded area behind my neighborhood. It was secluded and it was sweet. And the hum of the power lines and the cicadas made everything feel super summery and romantic, and it was the perfect place for a first kiss, I thought. But then we quickly noticed that Caitlin and regular size Ben had gone off on their own, and we were like, where are they? And then it turns out they had gone off and they had had their first kiss, which was super sweet. I was very happy for Caitlin. She walked out, flushed cheeks, beaming, with this face that said, mission accomplished. <laughs> and I was like, one down, one to go. So the next group hang, had been set for watching another romantic film, but this one at Caitlin's house in her living room. And oh, what was the movie? The Grudge 2. Oh, <laughs> Sexy. So Caitlin and I set out popcorn, ice cream, sandwiches, no Skittles, soda, and we were so excited to hold these guys' hands under blankets. I straightened my hair, I was wearing a push-up bra, hand-me-down, and a hand-me-down top from my sister. So the movie uh, began, the hand-holding had commenced, and I needed to make it happen, but I didn't know how. So I went to the bathroom to try to compose myself, wash my hands. I noticed there was one hair in the back of my head that hadn't been straightened, and I was like, <laughs> so I tucked it over, I saw I was sweating, and I tried to dry my armpits with toilet paper, but I was like, this is the moment. So I went out into the kitchen, and I finally saw my saving grace, and it was a high-tech fridge with buttons on the front with like a water dispenser. And I was like, hey, can anybody um, come help me with the fridge? <laughs> and Luke, of course, goes, yeah, I'll help. And so he comes. This was like, uh, bear in mind, this was like five feet from the couch. Everyone was watching the movie. Um, he comes up. He starts showing me how to like, you know, set it to crushed ice versus cubed and water. And I used my solo cup, and I got some water. And I was like, thanks. And so I go over to the edge of the counter, I'm sitting there drinking, watching The Grudge 2, and Luke comes up next to me, and he just like slowly does this little side hug, and he's just staring at me, and I can see him in the corner of my eye, and I'm just sitting there like, this is the time. And so, take a breath, take one last sip, I turn to him, and he kisses me. He kisses me. Soft and sweet. It was great. You know, it was fast. But my head was spinning, we giggled a little bit, and Luke was like, we should go back to Grudge 2. And I was like, okay, so we go back over. And it was great. Um, mission complete. So we finished out the movie, and then Caitlin walked the guys to the truck and me to my Honda Civic. And Luke walked me over to the front door, uh, to the driver door. 
and I thought he was going to kiss me again, but he didn't, so I get in. But then he jumps in the back seat and uh, tries to kiss me around the headrest, and he starts making out with me, and it was really awkward, and it tasted like popcorn, so I said to him, you taste like popcorn, and he kind of groaned and laughed, but he smiled, and we stopped, and he got out, but it was really sweet. And I drove away that night, and my sisters hand me down Honda Civic and hand me, hand me down top, a changed woman.
So we start exchanging things. So she takes out her phone, Google Translate. She starts typing in messages, gives it to me, I type one in, I give it back to her, so on and so forth. Everybody, the other people I was there, they leave, other people start to come in. So it's the two of us sitting on this couch in the bar, just awkwardly passing the phone back and forth, awkward conversation, <laughs> like, oh, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? <laughs> and then at some point, I just kind of zone out, and I look over, I glance at her phone as she's typing, and she's typing something like kind of like romantic, and I kind of, I'm a hopeless romantic, mainly, so I look oh. at that, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I started fantasizing about my life, about this woman who's like 20 years older than me that I never met. <laughs> like, exchanging our vowels over Google Translate, whatever. <laughs> and at some point, I look over, and she's typing, and I see her erasing something, like different variations of the phrase, like, do you want to have sex with me? <laughs> and somehow, that's when things clicked. I was like, oh shit, this is a prostitute. Instead of just giving up and leaving, I stay. <laughs> I start trying to come up with excuses to leave, but it never works out. And then our curfew at that night was at 12 o'clock. It was at like 10.30, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to head back, whatever. So I go and find the other side. So I go back, try to find the other dudes I was with. And they're like, no, don't worry, Smitty. My last name is Smith. They call me Smitty, whatever. It's like, don't worry, Smitty. The curfew got extended to 12. And I'm just like, fuck. So I go. So I have no choice but to go back because I feel obligated for some reason. And so... I go back and eventually I end up caving. I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. I'll go with you. <laughs> Her face lights up. She stands up, leads me over to the group where she came from. And this woman comes up and she's like this five foot two Asian woman. And she looks mean as hell. And she scared the shit out of me, quite frankly. She's looking up at me with like these dead eyes. And I was like, oh shit, am I about to get hit? Am I about to die? So no. <laughs> she speaks perfectly. She's like, okay, it's like $60 in their money. Two hours, not two hours, oof, an hour. <laughs> Never last that long. Just <laughs> uh, an hour, and then there's a motel literally right across the street. I don't carry cash on me. So she said, no, it's fine, don't worry. And so she has me, the woman I was talking with, and this other lady escort me to the ATM. And I hate using this phrase, but this walk was the closest thing to a walk of shame I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it's just me and these two Asian women just walking. And to get to the ATM, you have to walk through this like this building. It's like a small strip mall, with, like shops or whatever. Most of them are closed, but there's people walking around shopping or whatever. And going through there, I see like six people that I know in the process, and I'm avoiding eye, tides, oh. eye contact. So like, please don't look at me. Please don't see me. Please don't see me. We finally get to the ATM, and I see two dudes walking in our direction from my ship that I know. I don't know if they saw me, but I'm pretty sure they did. They didn't say anything, which I appreciate, but they brought it back up like two years later. So, <laughs> so, hey, you remember that shit? No, I don't. <laughs> so we get the money, head back, give it to her boss, and then she escorts us again to the motel that's across the street. The guy at the front desk, obviously, he's seen this before. Not even the eyelash, doesn't skip a beat. I was like, all right, third floor, you get an hour, go about it, hands us the keys. We go up, we shower together. <laughs> But it's awkward because the water's cold. <laughs> and I don't need to tell you exactly what that does. <laughs> and then afterwards, we get down to business. But I promise you that is the fastest I've ever orgasmed in my life because I was so anxious to get out of there. <laughs> like, I just handled my business, got my clothes, and ran the fuck out. <laughs> I didn't even say goodbye or anything. I ran back to the bar. Everybody was gone. Oh. The people I came with, gone. The other people from the ship that came there, eventually, gone. I go back to the front desk, I'm like, hey, what happened to everybody that was here from the ship? She's like, oh, they left already. Nobody's texted, nobody called. So I grab my shit, and again, I'm running. So this, about this time, it was about like, I'd say like 
the shuttle back to the ship leaves at like 11.50. And it's like a 10 minute walk from the, sh from the uh, shuttle to the bar. So I'm running, hauling ass from this bar. It's just random black dude in the Middle Eastern country. Probably scared a couple people. <laughs> and I just, just barely to manage, barely to manage, just barely managed to get there in time. I got there as the last person was getting onto the, uh, to the shuttle. And everybody's looking at me. It's like, why are you sweaty? Why are you running? And the people who knew where I were, they just giving me these looks. <laughs> I'm just avoiding them. And then they just in the elbow, like, ah, I see you, Smitty, I see you. <laughs> don't see me, don't perceive me. <laughs> and so we just, we go back to the ship, whatever, nothing happens. People still bring it up every now and then on Facebook or whatever. I get a couple messages like, hey, I, don't, I haven't talked to you in like four years, but fuck it. You remember that thing that happened in that bar? <laughs> it still happens from time to time. So, there's no moral here. <laughs> Basically, all I gotta say is just be aware of your surroundings. <laughs> and just get really good at Google Translate. Until one day in June, she comes to me and she was like, Kelsey, I'm so sorry to let you know that I got a different job and um, I'm moving to Santa Monica and I'm moving in two weeks. And I was like, okay, well, like as long as, you know, you pay the, pay the rent. Um, and she was like, no, I, I'm not, not going to do that. And I kind of was like, why? It's like a 30-day thing. And she was like, but I'm only being here for 10 more days. Like, I'm only gonna pay the 10 more days. And I was like, no, that's not how it works, people. Like, you have to do the whole thing. Anyways, so I was like, did you talk to the leasing office? And she was like, I'm already off the lease. They said like, you know, you'll be on the hook for it. And I was like, what? Like, no. So she was like, hey, I, I'm not gonna pay, but I will try to like find a roommate for you. So the crossover can be like, you know, smaller, and like, we can work something out. And so I was like, okay. So, I'm trying to, I'm like going everywhere. I'm like, will you be my roommate? Will you be my, like anyone, I just need someone to cover the rent. Like I work as a server, it's hard out here. And um, then one day Steph comes to me and she was like, I found this girl, this actually this woman, she's like in her like mid to late thirties. She's really down, like, you know, you can meet her, but like, I think we should do this because I'm not gonna pay you. And I kind of was like, okay, I can't find anyone else. So this woman comes and I meet her like 
for, you know, for however long that is, like 15 minutes. And she's she has a little dog, a little white Pomeranian. And I'm like, I love, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, her name is, and I couldn't, I tried to find her on social media and I couldn't really find anything on like Instagram or like everything seemed very private. But she did have a Twitter. And I think like the first red flag should have been like, there was a lot of the, pictures of just like selfies of her with the snapchat filters on with like dog ears and stuff like that but <laughs> it was 2017 <laughs> so like we all had like maybe some of them but not like every post um so anyways I was just like sure like like I talked to Alex and she was like the great news is I've already I'm, I'm already been approved by the leasing office. Like I've tried to live here before and I can be on the lease and everything. And I was like, great, uh, when can you move in? She was like, I'll move in next week. So she moves in and that's where thing, like, <laughs> things started to get kind of weird. Um, she, she moves in and she brings her little dog and <laughs> the first thing I noticed was she brought a grill. Like we had a like outdoor like balcony thing and she was like, I bought a grill. Like um, I'm, it's gonna be here. And I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. And she was like, well, here's the thing. Like I do keto, but I only do bacon. <laughs> and like exclusively, I like that's what I do. And I was kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> okay, like, but when I'm, I, like, she literally only had bacon the entire time that she lived with me. She was just cooking up that bacon outside. Um, that was, like, number one weird thing. Number two weird thing is I never saw her work one moment, but she was consistently getting fired from jobs. Like, she would always be, like, coming home, she'd be like, oh, they fired me today. And I'm like, from what? Where? Where? Like, what are you doing? And she would just like sit on the couch all day watching Netflix. And then it would be another thing where she would like, she's one of those roommates where she would always want to tell you like a, she'll trap you in a story. Oh. And you're, you know, you're kind of like, you're, you're like, I'm just going in to get some water. Like, I'm doing my laundry. Like, and she'll be like, did I tell you about this dream last night? <laughs> Brad Pitt was in it. Isn't that crazy? I think it has to go back to my childhood trauma. And I would be like, no! Um, so anyways, um, that was rough. And then, and then another thing, because she only ate bacon exclusively, sometimes my food would just be gone. Like I would come home from a serving shift and then wake up the next day and it you know, would be like noon. And I'd be like, mm, I want a turkey sandwich. Like good thing I have all those things to make that with. No, um, I would go and she would be like, she'd be like, I'm so, I would be like, where's my bread? Like, where's my wheat bread? And she'd be like, I ate all of it last night. And I was like, all of it? Where, every single slice? And she was like, I'm sorry, I think it's the bacon. I feel like I, I get really hungry. And I was like, and she was like, I promise I'll replace it. And I'm like, but I want a sandwich now. Like, what? We live next door to a Ralph's, by the way. But I never saw her leave the place. Anyways, things escalated. <laughs> you know, that was like, we'd go through the winter. And then in the spring, I started, she finally, like, let me follow some of her Instagram accounts. Because we were, like, cool. I would listen to the things and then be like, uh-huh, okay. And, like, walk back slowly into my room as she would keep talking to me. Um, 
So I started noticing on her Instagram that she had like these elaborate, insane photo shoots that were in our apartment, but they were of her like naked. And like lots of them were like in our shower, she did a milk bath and like this photo with nothing on, two like flower petals in a milk bath, her hair is like going, and I was like, when are you doing this? And also I feel really uncomfortable. Like, I, you can do whatever you want, but I just feel weird that this is, it was extremely photoshopped, didn't look anything like her. And I was like, this is a little bizarre behavior. In June, I fly home to Minnesota. I'm originally from Minnesota, and I fly home. Woo, 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 yay! Um, and I'm, you know, I'm on the plane. I landed. I'm scrolling through Instagram, and then I'm like, I see a picture of her in a like super revealing bikini, but it's on my floor with my self tape equipment next to my printer. And I was like, why are you taking naked photos in my room? Like, what's happening? So I was really, really upset because I was like, why? first of all, crop the printer out. Like, why is that a part of this? It should not be a part of That's an easy crop, girl. Like, get the edges of the self-tape backdrop out of here. Like, it can just be blue. So I had some notes, but I, well, I did feel very violated because when people go into your room and stuff, it, just, it feels very icky. So I come back and I come back, I come back from my vacation and I, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, her car's gone. Like maybe she's gone. Um, her car was gone like for four days and we were just there and I, I was like, I got to bring up this picture thing, but I'm from Minnesota. So like conversations, conflicts was hard. Um, like I'd rather just never... I would rather just be in this situation forever. Um, I so all of a sudden, like one day, she's like, she she's there, like she is, like watching Netflix, whatever, watching like kitty shows, and she was like, she was she was like, what do you know? Where did my car go? And I was like, you don't. I thought it was in the what? What do you mean? And she was like, it's gone. And I was like. Yeah, it's been it's been gone for a while. Like, I did you not never go down there? Like, her car was repossessed, and that was so. Then she started doing this thing. I I I kind of forgot to tell this part, but she said she was on the lease when she first moved in, and then the after the first couple months, like she had given like the deposit beforehand after to finish out the lease from Steph. And after that, one day I was like, okay, like we got a notice on our door and it was like rent is, you know, this part of the rent is due, like your past due. And I talked, I was like, Do you, did you not pay your rent this month? Like what happened? She was like, oh, I actually never got on the lease. And I was like, what? You never were on the lease? And she was like, yeah, sorry. Like, oh, and so I was like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. I let this woman in my house without not getting her. I, she said she was on the lease. Like, I didn't think to double check it, like, which is on me. <laughs> so I'm in this situation. I'm like, well, I guess, like, she lives here now. Um, but then after her car was repossessed, she just stopped paying rent. Like, there was just, there was just a couple months where there, it was like a month, and I was like, are you, are you going to pay me money? Because she would pay me money, and then I would put it all on the online portal. And she was like, 
No, I don't. I don't have it. I just don't have it. Um, so. I didn't know what to do. Like, I felt so uncomfortable, and I was like, I need you out. Like, I have to I have to get a different roommate. Like, I have to... And she was like, no. Like, I'm just not going to... I'm not going to leave. And I was like, oh, my God. What do I do? What, what do I do? So I started... I felt so awkward and uncomfortable, and she was so, like, vicious to me because she's like, I'm going to go when I want to say that I'm going. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know what to do. So... I started living, like, out of my car. I started staying at other people's houses. Like, I felt so awkward because I brought up the... I was like, you're taking naked photos in my room, and, like, the, the apartment smells like bacon. Like, I don't know if we can get... I don't know if we can get this smell out. So, finally, after, like, two months of her not paying rent and me taking extra shifts, trying to figure it out, I was like, I have to... I, I called lawyers. They are like, you can't really do anything. Squatters rights. Like, you can... You can, like, there's nothing you can really do. She's been, you know, you can file for an eviction and, and like, bring the naked photos and be like, this is scary. Uh, but, like, there's nothing else you can do. So I did, I did do that. I went, I went to the Pasadena courthouse and I printed out every milk bath photo I found. And was like, please, please help me. Um, so that was in, in the works, but I was like, I've got to get this girl out of here. What do I gotta do? What do I gotta do? And I was like, what if I I mean, I was like, what is she like? Like what would want, what would she let me get in her head, what would she not want to live here anymore if if she didn't have? And I was like, the Wi-Fi. Oh. So I changed the Wi-Fi password on oh, her because it was in my name. Woo! And I, I spent an afternoon there with my friends. And we were watching YouTube videos just seeing, like, we were, like, in the other room seeing how everything was going to go down. And all of a sudden, we hear, like, like the, the internet, oh, um, the, the Wi-Fi goes out. And we're like, oh, my God, what happened? What happened? Did she, did she figure it out? We go out, and we hear her on the phone screaming at Spectrum, being like, this modem is broken. Like, you gave us a shitty modem. What happened? And I, and I knocked on her door and was like, it's not the modem. <laughs> and she was like freaked out at me. She came out of the door and she was like, you fucking entitled bitch. Like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to lose my job. And I was like, what job? And she like, my friend was with me and she like, cocked up her fist to punch me. And my friend, like, you know, pushed her back and was like, okay. And she goes to my friend. She was like, she fucking hates you. Every day she talks about how much she doesn't like you. And my friend was like, she doesn't. Like, shut up. So anyways, I, I, I was really scared. I went with my boyfriend, Brian. We filed the police report. We were just like, this is scary. And the police were like, mm, like, if she didn't hit you, mm, like, she said she was going to kill you. Uh, like, she could, okay, you know, come back to us when she kills you. Um, was kind of the vibe. So, it, 48 hours after I took that modem, I took it in my car and I left. That bitch was out of there. And I got her out because she couldn't watch Netflix anymore. She couldn't just sit on the couch and eat her bacon. 
so I felt I, I felt really good. She she left, but she left the place in a mess. Like there was dog pee and poop everywhere. She left her grill. It was like we had to take her grill to Home Depot, and it just like grilled out the whole on all the carpets. And then I was <laughs> I was sleeping there. Finally, I could be back in my own bed. And a couple a couple days go by, and I'm like, God, how I'm like really really itchy. Oh. Something's weird. And I was like, well, I think like. It, it is kind of like buggy out, whatever. Then I just started like boom, 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 boom. Bites everywhere, all over my body. And I was like, what's ha what's happening? And I was like, this this girl, this dog in a final act of doom, she let me fucking flee no! from her dog. So I was working at a restaurant at the time. I was covered like on my face, even bites, because I would sleep all over my body. I would go to serve a table out on the patio, like really, really sweating. Then I would get their order in, and I would go straight to the bathroom, peel off everything on my body, like even my socks I would take off, and I had lidocaine, like anti-itch lotion, put it all over my body because I was so uncomfortable put everything back on and go out to the next table because I still had to pay for her rent! Oh. <laughs> Anyways, the moral, if there is one of the story, don't be a fucking idiot like me. Like, check the lease. And and just, I should have told you she should have just paid for the 30 days and taken it to court then because I wouldn't have to go to them, steal the moto. <laughs> Relationships are forged. Relationships are kindled. 
some youth group guys, and this is a true story, they just go to this church camp to, like, hook up, but mostly to find, like, girlfriends and or future wives. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Landon was one of them. Um, I've been going to this camp for two years, and um, I have my crew. I feel, like, good. Uh, I've recently lost, like, a little bit of, like, my baby weight, so I feel like I've kind of grown into my face. But I'm still embarrassed because I haven't had my first kiss yet. And I feel like before I get to high school, I gotta have my first kiss. Like, that's something that I just need to check off the box. <laughs> yeah. um, and even though there was no person like in my life who was lined up to be my first kiss, I still practiced uh, quite frequently about like <laughs> how I would, you know, move my head, how I would purse my lips, how I would keep my eyes open to a certain point so I could make sure our lips would like connect, and then I would close my eyes. <laughs> Again, mostly just practicing in case something happened. And then Landon happened. After meeting him on day one, later in the cafeteria, I am eating the driest toast in all of North Carolina. A girl from a more popular youth group who's a friend of Landon walks up to me, and she goes, so you know, like, Landon likes you, right? Oh. This, this all happened like two hours ago. <laughs> And I'm, I'm so scared because I'm so intimidated by this person and I'm scared that I'm gonna like fail this interaction and I'm already like trying to chew down the toast. And a part of me is also like, who, who's Landon? Like, who was that person? And I'm like, just kind of staring at her and she goes, Landon, he likes you. Like, he thinks you're really cute. Do you like him? I think you like him. You like him, you think he's cute. And I, don't know what to do. <laughs> and she's nodding her head to the table and Landon is just looking at me. And I, and I know like she, she's kind of asking me a yes or no question, but it feels like it's not that whatsoever. <laughs> and I know that there's probably a wrong answer to this question and I'm like, okay, I wanna have my first kiss and I can explore this possibility. Um, it's kind of embarrassing, I haven't had a first kiss yet and Landon seems like an okay candidate. Um, so I say the answer that uh, Sarah wants, and I go like, yeah, yeah, I think Landon's cute. And she's like, oh my god, that's great. You guys are so cute together. Oh my god, he really likes you. Come on, come on, let's go sit, let's go sit. And suddenly I've like, I'm whisked away, and I'm, I'm, I've been selected. I'm now sitting at the coolest middle schoolers in the coolest youth group in this church camp. <laughs> like, I have, I've elevated my status, and now I have a boyfriend. It's been two hours. <laughs> and I sit next to him, and I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, that's Landon. And also, uh, why does he like me? All I've said is two words to this person. <laughs> I said, I'm dancing Demery, and then kind of did that. <laughs> and then he was like, that one. <laughs> and... I'm now like incredibly nervous because I've never had a boyfriend before and I just become almost like mute in his presence. Mm -hmm. And that's like kind of great for him. He just fills the space with chatter. Mm -hmm. He's a very good talker. He keeps up conversation despite me like contributing anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like peppering in one word agreements every <laughs> once in a while. I'm like timing it in my head and I'm just going like, oh yeah, <laughs> cool, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> just, that's what I do for like three days. <laughs> and um, it's sweet. He is cute. We hold each other's hands until they get like super clammy and a little wet. And I'm like trying to think of what you're supposed to do when you have a boyfriend. And I, the only thing I have at my like 
at my grasp is it, I'm just like leaning into his shoulder because I know that's what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to like lean on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the full extent of it. We do not kiss, we only hold hands and slightly lean on each other. Landon is a perfect gentleman. I have no idea what to do with my body. <laughs> I have no idea what to do with him. Uh, and he does not cross any of my boundaries, and I am hyper aware that we are in Jesus' backyard, <laughs> and all of the camp counselors and Jesus can see everything. Day three. <laughs> On the third day of our summer romance, we are all escorted to the church for the annual healing service. For those of you who haven't been to church camp, a healing service is a moment where you confess your sins, you confess your burdens, you confess your worries, to a priest and or a camp counselor. Oh! And that's... <laughs> I'm so sorry to trigger all the conversations. <laughs> so you, so you, you, you confess your sins, and pretty much uh, the camp counselor will tell you, well, this is why God forgives you. And it's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just very heightened, and we are all just, like, addled with so many hormones that everyone cries. At the healing service, it's just a of crying middle schoolers who are just sobbing about our problems and camp counselors going around just being like, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I'm doing that and I'm like, also have a boyfriend now and I'm sobbing and he's like being very sweet and he just goes, do you want to get out of here? Jesus is watching, the camp counselors are watching, and I go, is that allowed? (laughs) And he said, don't worry, you're with me. We sneak out of the healing service. We're holding hands the whole time. We find, I'm still crying, by the way, because I'm so confused. Uh, We sneak out of the healing service, we're sitting down, we're sitting in front of the lake. And I'm like, you know, just taking a breath, taking it all in, and I know it's about to happen, but I don't know how to do it. And I'm like also doing the checklist in my head. I'm like, okay, well, he looks this way, and I'm like, you're going to head that way. And pretty much, eventually, I'm like so in my head, and I'm so quiet. He stops talking, and he just goes, can I kiss you? And I say, And I try, and I, I, I try my best to, like, do what I practiced. I keep my head to the side. I keep my lips pursed, but I keep them closed. It's very chaste. My eyes are open to a very uncomfortable point until they close. And then suddenly we kiss. Our lips meet. And I am no longer a girl who hasn't had her first kiss. And I open my eyes, and I look at Landon, and I say... I should probably go back to the healing service. I run. I run. I run as fast as I can back to the healing service. I'm nearly like tripping in my flip-flops. I'm so... I have no idea what to do. Day four. The dance. Despite me like running away from Landon after our first kiss, he's still my boyfriend. Uh, He still likes me. And he says, do you want to come to the dance? And he goes like, you're dancing Demery but I can't dance. <laughs> but the thing is, it's um, 
because it's uh, church camp uh, and because we're all middle schoolers, the dance isn't like a moment to actually dance. It's just a moment to grind. It's just a moment to like <laughs> pelvis on pelvis, side to side. That's the whole dance. And I, I'm like <laughs> dedicating my whole day being like, okay, Landon and I are gonna grind tonight. I really messed it up on the kiss. Like I just, I gotta get it right on this time. I'm gonna get it right. I, I do not hang out with any of my friends. And I look up like I'm. <laughs> I go to like the like the tech room, the computer room. This was before we had iPhones, guys. <laughs> I go to the tech room, the computer room, and I'm like, "How to grind?" And they're like, and they say, "What you got to do is you got to take your hips and you got to move them in a figure eight. And yeah, yeah. And uh, but I don't have any coordination, so I'm literally going, "Okay." <laughs> Summer concert. In theory. 
<laughs> when you buy the tickets in the dead of winter, you're fantasizing about drinking with your friends in the perfect temperatures. <laughs> while laughing and cheersing, wearing cute little denim shorts and a sexy bralette. <laughs> In reality, my thighs always eat my shorts alive. I can't pull off a bralette because my boobs hang loose and need a lot of support, just like me. <laughs> and summer concerts are some of the most horrendous experiences I've ever had. The joy of a summer concert is truly just a winter fantasy. A few years back, my husband and I attended the aptly titled Hot Summer Nights Festival in the Bay Area. Not the always chilly San Francisco Bay Area, but the far east, 100 degree day, not even really the Bay Area, Bay Area. <laughs> the festival featured all of the hit makers from my childhood, Monica, Mace, Brandy, Naughty by Nature, Ja Rule, and Ashanti. <laughs> Shit hit the fan immediately. While I was in line for drinks, a woman passed out onto me. Her friends took her off my hands and proceeded to order three Bud Lights while keeping her propped up weekend at Bernie's style. Mace talked about God over a backing track of him rapping. Brandy complained about the sound system for her whole set, then just sat on the stage and took selfies with fans. Ja Rule and Ashanti sang all the choruses of their hits, then showed a video of them in a hot tub playing with a knife. I wish I could give you more context, but there was none. They left promptly at 10 p.m. because as you know, they're always on time. We got sunburned and ended up paying $40 for two beers. Hot summer night indeed. Just recently, I bought tickets to see Mariah Carey at Pride. all the videos, the reality shows, read the book, done the dances. I even have a shrine to Mariah Carey in my guest bathroom. Oh, so everyone who comes to my house knows I am not fucking around when I say that I am a die-hard lamb. Thank you, Mariah's in the house. So when my friend Mark and I arrived at LA Historic Park to see our girl, I was beaming with anticipation. To kill some time before Mariah's set, we went to a booth where you could get a free Reiki session. <laughs> the healer took us into a tent that was still wide open to the public, so you could hear every conversation about love triangles and poppers. Poppers! <laughs> love for poppers in the house! <laughs> During the session, the healer told me that I was, quote, looking for guidance. I took that to mean that I was going to get a special message from Mariah later. One that would change the course of my life and give me the strength I was looking for. My organs would shift, shift slightly to accept Mariah into my heart and the hero would be in me. <laughs> Mariah was late, very late, which is fine. But what her long anticipated performance consisted of was medleys of her greatest hits jumping from chorus to chorus of chart toppers that barely lasted 10 seconds. After a few minutes of this, Mariah left the stage. <laughs> On the big screen, we were then directed to watch no less than five minutes of her song, It's a Rap, being used in a bunch of TikTok videos. Just the same 10 seconds of that song over and over and over again. When it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, again and again and again. After that, some men came on stage on stilts for some reason. 
Mariah then drunkenly reappeared and very out of breath told Pride attendees, LA, folks, all people should be treated with respect and dignity and equality. I stand with you all and I love you all. Just like your drunk mom would do when she meets your gay friend for the first time. <laughs> Mark and I left shortly thereafter. The only guidance I got from Mariah that night was that, was that if I sold 220 million records, I too could have the privilege to phone it in for thousands of people. I still love Mariah, by the way, and we'll never stop. Uh, but the worst summer concert offender of all was probably my first. Never forget your first, you know? <laughs> it was 2008, and I was using my high school graduation money to go to Lollapalooza in Chicago. Yes. August in Chicago is a very wet time of year. You're wet from the air, you're wet from sweat, you're in a constant state of swamp. But I had weathered it all day to be able to see my boy. Kanye West. <laughs> it was 2008. We didn't know. <laughs> Kanye was also late, but once he came out, it was truly a show. There was dancing, there were antics, we still thought he liked Jewish people. <laughs> it was a great time. But probably about five songs in, I felt this sensation dripping down the back of my leg. And I had the thought, maybe it's so humid I am actually raining. <laughs> then I thought, just to make sure, I'd check behind me to see if something weird was going on. When I looked, I saw a man holding a cup and peeing and missing. What? Instead hitting my leg. I said to him, did you just piss on me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. He said, well, still pissing. I pushed him, and I made my way through the crowd. I cried while singing, that, that, that don't kill me. It can only make me stronger. <laughs> Kanye then covered, don't stop believing. And I thought that was the worst thing he was ever going to do. <laughs> to be so young and naive. <laughs> this summer, my advice to you is to keep expectations low, <laughs> never meet your heroes, <laughs> and stay dry. Thank you. I'm dying. Um, okay, let's keep it going for summer. that happened to you. Um, <laughs> last person up here, I cannot imagine being pissed on, <laughs> much less by a man. Um, but okay, my summer story doesn't involve much piss, but it does involve my, a very important person to me, and that is my cousin Jalen. Cousin with or quotation marks, because it was like one of those not cousin cousin situations. But um, yeah, Jalen is the boy which um, will forever be known as like kind of the guy who introduced me to a lot of things that I think made a lot of my personality now, like things that I love, um, Call of Duty zombies, um, 
He was the first person to show me Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is huge, if you know me. Um, he was my first Mario, Cop op, Mario Kart op. Um, we both believed we were going to the NBA and WNBA. We, we pissed each other off, we each other laughed, and he was the first person, I think, who really made me appreciate being black, because he was just so unapologetically Jalen, and I was like, I want to be like Jalen. Jalen is cool. <laughs> What's also important to know is that before Jalen came along, I was the test dummy of the family for all things reckless and dangerous <laughs> and scary. Um, so the most important thing about Jalen was that he did whatever me and my sisters wanted him to do, which means that the pressure was off of me. I could no longer receive bodily harm. It was all on Jalen. Um, so, sorry, I just wrote bullet points. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Um, okay. <laughs> So two stories come to mind when I think of Jalen, and one, it's like in a cohesive summer event, we were like 12, 13 maybe, and we were road tripping from Florida to Canada, and so one story is like a journey part of it, the other one is a destination part of it, and both, um, very sorry to Jalen Redding, I didn't mean to do this to you. Um, so we're driving up, uh, it's a three day drive, it's long, it's in the back of like my dad's somewhat old truck, so like the AC's not always working, we're going through like hot parts of the country, because it's just all of the East Coast. Um, and it's my dad and my uncle Norris in the front, Jalen, me, my sister, and then our friend, Addie. So everyone's in the car together. And, you know, kids in the back of a car for three days, we're gonna get bored, we're gonna wonder like, okay, well, how do we keep ourselves entertained? So my older sister loved the Starbucks frappuccinos in a glass bottle sort of things. Uh, French vanilla was her go-to. And she had a half-empty bottle in the back, and we were like, that's interesting. What can go into that bottle? <laughs> so at the next gas station stop, we picked up, Jalen got like sour straws, Skittles, um, gum, and we like accumulated all these things, put it on the bottle, like, chewed up gum, um, like chewed up, spit in, Skittles, car dirt, you know, car dirt, you just, like everything in the car, and like, um, <laughs> Sprinkled it in there, and we were like, and we called it the uh, we called it the Dudefy Three Thousand, because <laughs> at the time we used to we used to call poop or the act of pooping dudefying. Um, so like, I gotta go dudefy, or like smells like dudefying here, and that was just kind of what we did. Uh, that's a shout out to my dad; he came up with that one. Um, so we shook it all up, and we all were like, "Oh, it's so gross! Like that's crazy." What next? <laughs> what do we do with this bottle of liquid? weird shit in it, how do we make this more interesting? And all eyes went to Jalen. And we were like, you gotta drink it. No, we're all gonna drink it, but like, you gotta go first. How's how it is? Like, this is crazy. And Jalen, like, at the time, you know, he was the only boy. I mean, I kind of go run for his money now, but like, at the time, he was like, I'll do it. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm Jalen. So, <laughs> he takes the bottle. And just to remind everybody, sour straw, Skittles, chewed gum, spit, car dirt, everything's in there. He <laughs> takes this wig and he's like, fuck! And you know, he does the whole like, oh my god, that's so gross, like holds out the bottle for the next person. Everyone's looking around, I'm like, I'm not, I wasn't even playing, so I'm like, for real, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. And they were like, well, Summer's not doing it, I'm not doing it. And I was like, yeah, Jalen's disgusting, why would you do something like that? <laughs> so, <laughs> I went to sleep, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> so Jalen, took that one for the team, and, uh, right, okay, so the next bullet point, uh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah, so I, I wasn't going to make that same mistake.
mistake. So we get to Canada, we get to the house, and this house is like kind of a fixer-upper. Um, so the driveway is this like long swooping thing of like just gravel and like roots, like pushing it up and pebbles and grass growing out of it sort of thing. But you know, it's, it gets the car down there, so like who cares? Um, so what we did bring to the house was our ripsticks. And if everybody remembers what ripstick is, it's just like a more dangerous skateboard um, <laughs> with like two wheels for anybody who doesn't know. It's one wheel in the front, one wheel in the back. You have to like wiggle your body in order to get it to move. Um, what happened? <laughs> the, figure eight, the, figure the figure eight. The figure eight. This would have really come in handy. Go home and buy a ripstick. You're going to do incredible things on this board. Um, Jalen did something incredible on this board, too. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now what Jalen did. Um, when I find this, when I find this, this bullet point, I'll tell you. Um, so, so yeah, so this is, so we all were standing outside. We're like just kind of ripsticking back and forth in front of the, in front of the house. And what's important to know about the trips to Canada is like when we were up there, the parents did not care what we were doing. The parents were there to drink and eat, and we were there to kill or be killed. It was like kind of the dynamic. So the parents were inside doing God knows what. We were outside also doing God knows what to them. Um, so we're, escape, we're going back and forth, back and forth on the ripstick in front of the house, and we're like, you know what would be crazy if someone went down the driveway and swooped in, like, and, you know, did it. And we all looked at Jalen, we're like, Jalen, if anyone's gonna do it, it's gonna be you, you're so good at the ripstick, you're the most experienced, you've had it the longest, like, get up there. And he's like, yeah, I'm Jalen, I don't care, I'll do it. <laughs> so Jalen takes the ripstick to the top of this, and it's like a long driveway, and for a while, Jalen's doing it, guys. He is, he is riding out his driveway. We're like, yeah, Jalen, let's go. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the gravel. I don't know if it was a pebble. I don't know if it was one of those roots. But a, a wheel hit something, and my man Jalen soared through the air. And from the kitchen, there's a window that can look out at the driveway. One of the parents, I guess I got up to see what we were doing, and I just hear my Aunt Dion screaming, Like, <laughs> and Jalen hit that ground, and he rolled and rolled the rest of the way, <laughs> and he, and it was just the most sickening, disgusting sight in the world. Scrapes and bruises and cuts, and Aunt came running out of the door. What were you guys thinking? Jalen just did it. He just went up there. We don't know. Jalen's so crazy. <laughs> But for those three to four seconds that Jalen was in the air, he was God to me. I was like, wow, he did it. And he, he paved the way, because after that, I went up there. I was next in line, um, in the line of the monarchy that I lived in. And, but I took a broom. I brushed off all the pebbles and the gravel, and I was like, I'm going to do this a little bit different. I took my ripstick to this top. And again, parents, gone. After that, left us with our devices again after we had just done something so stupid. But I took my ripstick to the top, and I rode it all the way down. Nailed it perfectly, not a hitch in the ride. And, uh, and then after a few days of healing, Jay went back up there and did it himself, too. So. That is, um, that's my, the, my summers were incomplete without Jalen Redding. And should he ever see this, I'm, I'm very sorry for what <laughs>
excited you're here because I have a feeling you're going to get a lot of my references, Oy! at least I hope. Um, I'm telling the story of a forbidden summer romance. Here we go. In high school, two of my very best friends were Scott and Daniela. Scott was a twink who loved Final Fantasy and the latest Apple texts. Daniela was a flirt with perfect tan skin and big tits. <laughs> In our own little high school microcosm, as far as I'm concerned, Daniela invented the thirst trap. Meanwhile, Scott and I invented weird inside jokes, like when everyone else was saying YOLO, we said Yolton Biakum, which stood for you only live nine times because you're a cat meow. <laughs> Needless to say, Scott and I got very little action in the romantic department, even within our small pool of theater kids. But that's okay. Daniela made us cooler. She gave us hope. And the three of us had a lot of genuine fun together. A typical night out involved wholesome activities like driving to Hustler, buying penis lollipops, and leaving them on Charlie Garcia's doorstep before ding-dong dashing. <laughs> And we did stuff like that almost every weekend, but mostly at Daniela's house because I wasn't really allowed to have friends over at my house and Scott didn't want us at his house because he had this weird thing about his older brother Scott feared that if Daniela or I met his older brother an attraction might develop. So I was best friends with Scott for years before I even met To be honest, Scott was way less worried about me than he was Daniela. I mean, I was the person who openly shamed my peers for smoking weed in the parking lot before rehearsal. <laughs> Daniela was the person in the car smoking weed with them. Like, I wasn't cool enough to fuck a hot 22-year-old, but she was. You know, that was just the dynamic in high school. So, Daniela was free and sexy and careless. So careless that she even dated my most intense high school crush. I had a crush on Sam for an entire year. He sat in front of me during acting class, and I would stare at the back of his neck and fantasize about massaging it every other day when we had acting class together. <laughs> Everyone knew I was obsessed with him, but for an entire year, nothing happened, probably because Sam heard me use the phrase, Yolton Biakum. <laughs> And then one day, it was revealed that Sam had a crush on Daniela, at which point Daniela decided she had a crush on Sam. So I figured I just had to accept my fate as Eponine and Les Mis and take myself out of the equation. So they went out for a few months, and I went on to date a theater nerd, and our friendship stayed intact. Scott, Daniela, and I even stayed close after graduation when we all went to separate colleges in various states. We'd come home for the summers, and we'd all hang out as if nothing changed. And uh, except now, uh, we were all in our early 20s, and Scott finally decided it was time. We were finally allowed to hang out with his older brother. <laughs> so during the summer before my junior year, spent a lot of time with us. And it was a defining summer because Daniela wasn't in the picture as much. She didn't get along with our other friend Carly, and Carly shared our unique brand of chaotic weird, so Daniela was on the outskirts, and it was my time to shine. 
Almost every day I'd go to Scott's house in my sluttiest denim shorts from Gilly Hicks. And Scott, Scott and I would binge Lifetime movies or sit on the couch together while we individually played with Tinder. After a few weeks of this, there was definitely sexual tension developing, but my mind was tunneled on the Tinder boys. I mean, Scott constantly told us how upset it would make him if any of us girls got involved with his brother, the boundaries were clear, you know, Scott made it very known was forbidden, but of course, the fact that he was off-limits kind of made him even sexier. So then, one night, everything changed. It was a Friday night toward the end of summer. joined our friend group as we all went to a gay bar in Fort Lauderdale. We all pre-gamed, and we pre-gamed hard. I remember I was wearing a new backless top and red lipstick, and my hair was styled with the most perfect tousled curls, and I felt really fucking hot, and again, no sign of Daniela. <laughs> so, the gay bar we frequented was called Manor, and Manor was epic. It had several floors and several rooms, all with different vibes. If you went upstairs, there was an outdoor veranda with leather daddies making out in every booth. If you went uh, in another room, there was an intimate Missy Elliott party. And on the main floor, there were fog machines and multiple bars with male go-go dancers on elevated platforms. It was always packed to the brim, and everyone who danced on the main floor inevitably ended up smushed together like sweaty, sloppy sardines. <laughs> on this particular night, and I found ourselves smushed together on the main floor. My friend Christina took notice and drunkenly yelled at me, I'm gonna distract Scott for you. <laughs> I just laughed and kept dancing. And as the dancing continued, I got closer and closer till we were full on grinding. Then he started rubbing my hips under the waistband of my adorable fake leather shorts from Forever 21. <laughs> then he started whispering in my ear that he thought I was sexy. And my chest was on fire. Like, I could not believe this was real life. And after a few more moments of this, he took me completely by surprise. He grabbed my shoulders, spun me around, and started making out with me. To this day, it was the most passionate, cinematic moment of my life. I mean, it was fucking hot. Afterward, Christina congratulated me and got mad at Scott for accidentally shattering her phone screen. We all went back to Scott's mom's house to sleep over in our respective beds and couches and delivered me McDonald's to my bedside before saying goodnight. Then he went off to sleep and I dozed off in my cot Wondering if I should confess my secret to Scott. After Manor, summer was nearly over and we continued hanging out as a group. Scott didn't suspect anything, he trusted me. Plus, I know it's so bad. Plus, I didn't have the same reputation as Daniela until this moment. The naughtiest thing I did was sneak out of my childhood home to get fingered by the playground. And. Another story. And and I did a good job of keeping things secret. We reserved most of our flirting for over text. But between the two of us, we also knew that the sexual tension was potent. There was one night where we all played Twister together. And I don't know whose idea that was, but yeah. 
Uh, and I was wearing a brand new bandage skirt from Forever 21. <laughs> that made my ass look fantastic. And we couldn't do anything in the moment, but later that night, when I was just in my own childhood bed, I sexted for the first time and talked about how great my ass looked that night and how we longed to have sex in real life. I teased that I could visit him in Gainesville on my way to FSU. He teased that he'd like that. And as the week continued, the teasing turned into solidified plans. I even told my mom I was planning on heading back to school a day earlier so I could fuck my best friend's brother. <laughs> and to my own astonishment, she approved. She said, Scott didn't have control over us, and I decided I agreed. <laughs> Still, deep down, like the guilt, it really did gnaw at me. Um, so, when I arrived in Gainesville, <laughs> bought me dinner. We played with his golden retriever and talked about getting ready for school again. But it wasn't long before we made our way to his bed. He turned on Netflix, and he turned off Netflix. <laughs> And we enjoyed each other both physically and emotionally. And I remember that the sex was fun and good, but honestly, I don't remember that as much as I remember like the cuddling after or the way he made me feel special and seen. Um, yeah, he showered me with compliments and told me I was always his favorite of Scott's friends. I came for the dick, but I got heaps of genuine affection and gratitude. <laughs> a year later, it was summer once more, and I made another questionable decision. I met with Daniela at her favorite restaurant, and we drank margaritas and caught up on life. I told her about what happened between me and because I had a few drinks in me, and she was gobsmacked. I also told her that Scott had no idea because we obviously all knew how he'd feel. She agreed not to tell him. Oh. <laughs> A few weeks later, <laughs> Scott stopped responding to my texts. Oh. I knew something was up, and I had a bad feeling it had to do with He told me he needed some time before hanging out again, but I saw on Instagram that he had a pool day with Daniela. Oh. So I was really fucking nervous. When Scott finally agreed to see me, he said he had to talk to me about something. So we met at the Weston Palisades, and I remember it like it was yesterday. We sat on the cement bench, cement bench by the fountains. He was shaking, I was shaking, and he simply informed me that he knew I hooked up with his brother. He said that Daniela told him. Apparently, she couldn't deal with keeping that secret from him. She thought he deserved to know. Then he told me. <laughs> right, right. Honestly. Then he told me that it wasn't the fact that I hooked up with his brother that hurt so much. It was the fact that I kept it from him for a year, which I totally understood. <laughs> apologizing to Daniela, which, which I did reluctantly, and then, 
Then Daniela and I never spoke again, even to Um, Scott forgave me, and he ultimately admitted that he couldn't set such harsh boundaries. But I still, you know, I betrayed my friend, and that was something I'd have to live with. Um, I later realized that I kind of betrayed too, because it wasn't just my secret I was outing, it was also his. But then, later that night, after the Weston Palisades, I received a text from and I wish I saved the message, but I really remember it very clearly. He said something like, I'm sorry, this all blew up, and I really hope you're doing okay. I want you to know that I don't regret a single thing about that night, and I'm here if you need anything. I know, really sweet. Um, and I remember crying as I read that in the car after pulling into my driveway of my childhood home. Um, in retrospect, all I had to do was keep this whole thing a secret. <laughs> But I think part of me wanted Daniela to know um, because she always had a crush on herself. And it was always assumed that if she was going to be attracted to any of us, it would have been Daniela. Everyone was attracted to, me, to Daniela. I think I wanted her to know that I had sexual power. And I wanted to know that I had sexual power, but I think more than anything, I wanted confirmation that it wasn't just my looks that made me sexy, but my personality. Um, and I guess I should wrap this up by saying how much I regret betraying my friend, and I do. But... <laughs> but honestly, I don't regret my night with um, It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and after all, you only live nine times. Thank you so much to our storytellers, Reggie Smith, Kelsey Peter-John, Sam DeSalvo, and Summer Benton. We'll be back soon in your feed with another episode. Please follow us on Instagram at First Draft Presents for details on our next show.